thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food real with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team, and welcome to another episode of The Real Food Real. Today on the show, we have Meg Gilmer from The Wholesome Athlete. Meg is an endurance athlete, foodie, and soon-to-be health coach. Meg and I first met many years ago now, and my first memory is being blown away by the girl who made everything from scratch, including her own training bars and bread. At the time, my repertoire was a tuna salad, and Meg was who inspired me to get in the kitchen, to learn and to create. And that was the start of The Natural Nutritionist and the recipes you have access to today. I'm thrilled to introduce you to the wholesome athlete, Meg Gilmer. Hi, Meg, and welcome to the show. Hi, Steph. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here, and I'd love you to start with some more information about yourself and and your story, how you got started with real food and even your background as an endurance athlete. Sure. Um, so I guess I started um, with triathlon and getting into some sprint and Olympic distance stuff. And at the time, I was just um, having the power bars and whatever was on course and kind of what they give you in the show bags at all the races. Um, and then after a couple of years, I got into the long course stuff, um, half Ironman, full Ironman distance. And um, my diet off the bike was kind of evolving to a more whole foods approach. And I was thinking that there's something kind of strange about eating um clean all the time and then stuffing something kind of mass-produced sugar-filled um, into my body on the bike. Um, so I just began experimenting, making my own um, training food and race fuel, um, and that's kind of where it came from. I wanted to know what I was eating both on and off the bike, and, yeah, that's that's where it started. Yeah, very cool. And that was a while ago now. Was it a few yes. years ago? Yeah, a couple of years ago, um, I, I started experimenting and um, and then I started um, sharing with everyone else online about uh, about 18 months ago now. And that's where the Wholesome Athlete began? Yeah, that's right. I guess um, a couple of people were starting to ask me what I was using when we were training and or, you know, um, what I had for breakfast before I started or I'd, I'd be telling them about some amazing bar and sharing it with people on our long rides and I thought that I'd just share it with people online, just family and friends. And, um, yeah, and the Wholesome Athlete kind of just grew from there and there was a bigger audience than I thought that are interested in, in making their own stuff. Yeah, excellent. And now you're diving into some more study and is that where you're taking the Wholesome Athlete? Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm actually um, enrolled with the Institute of Integrative Nutrition so I'm starting to be a health coach um, at the moment. It's very exciting. Back back into study, um, and I guess it's just my it's my passion, and it's where I want to uh, take my career, and um, and have some qualifications about how to do it. Um, yeah. So this time next year, I'll be I'll be coaching people and helping people, and and hopefully working with um, 
some athletes and, and people that really want to know how to do it in a simple, easy way. And, yeah, that's pretty exciting for me. Yeah, that sounds like lots of fun. So mm-hmm. we look forward to following your journey there. So can you tell us, to summarise, a little bit about your real food message and perhaps what you really try and educate your audience on? I guess my real food message is that wholesome, nutritious food doesn't have to be complicated, that, you know, simple, real food is delicious and affordable and, and good for us. Um, yeah, keeping it simple is is where I stand and I, and I hope that's how I come across to other people that's that's my message yeah keeping it simple yeah great I think certainly I've seen your recipes and the the audience that you do have and I think it's a great place to start and that's the way it should be it doesn't need to be certainly complicated or expensive and the fact that it does give someone the opportunity to start experimenting you know like you did back in the day and certainly like yeah. I did it's a great place for them to learn and certainly evolve from there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think having um, no labels and no rules for yourself, um, you know, just working out what, what's good for your body is really um, is really important to me. And, and I'm working out as, out as I go along. You know, um, I used to, I was 14 years, I was a vegetarian. I was eating quite high-processed, high-carbohydrate diet. And, and after a while, I it just didn't work for me anymore. And um, and rather than label myself as this is my style of eating or this is my way of eating with a name, I think if everyone can just work out how their body responds to certain foods, you know, um, I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely, because I think we see a lot of template approaches, particularly with the real food revolution. And that kind of guilt associated with I, I should be eating this or I shouldn't be eating that um, when really if you try and work out what works for your body, I think, you know, you're happy and you're secure with how you're eating um, and, and not jumping on certain trends or, or feeling like you should be eating a certain way. Like keep it simple and find out what works for your body. I think that's my real food message. Yeah, excellent. Now let's break this down to be a little bit more practical. Sure. What would be some of your day-to-day nutrition strategies and certainly what helps you juggle full-time work, endurance training and everything else that you've got going on? <laughs> it is a juggle actually, <laughs> fitting it all in uh, and making sure that um, you, you're eating well. Um, so definitely I know everyone says it but they say it because it's true. You've got to be prepared. Um, and it's just, it's a matter of setting a t- aside some, some quality time to preparing what your food, you know, whether it be a big batch of granola um, that you're going to nibble on through the week um, or I like to make chia puddings in jars uh, at the start of the week and then I can just grab one in the morning and it's, it's good to go. So roasting a heap of veggies on a Sunday and using them in salads or whizzing them in soups. I think, yeah, preparation really is key. And I know I've heard you say that over and over, Steph, but it's true. Um, if you want to eat well and um, and train and fuel your body and, and fit in everything else that we have to during the week, um, I really believe in preparation. And I know it helps me um, certainly because I've had times where I just haven't prioritised that preparation time and, and you pay for it during the week. 
um, looking around for something somewhat healthy or being stuck at, at work and not having a good option. So, yeah, preparation really works for me. Yeah, excellent. It's a big one. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to add to that? Um, yeah, nutritional strategies, I guess. Um, you know, I really – it works best for me to shop at the markets and fill – my house and my fridge with fresh food and you know whatever I've got at home I'm going to use so that that's that's my approach filling the fridge with good fats quality proteins lots of fruit lots of veg um, and a fair share of fermented stuff Um, and that kind of keeps me going throughout the week and if you've got that you're going to use that and you're going to eat that yeah if it's not in the fridge or it's not in that kitchen you won't eat it right that's right Mm. yeah exactly Yeah, very good. Now, let's chat more about your endurance background. You mentioned triathlon. Obviously, Ironman is something that you've ticked off the list. Yes. Um, I know you've also been doing some more cycling of late. Can you tell us a little bit about that and and then we'll talk more about fueling? Sure. Um, So, look, I I loved triathlon and I think I – ticked everything I wanted to do off um, and I really enjoyed it. But um, I don't think the running really agreed with me and um, both physically and mentally um, my body was kind of overtrained and I wasn't recovering well and I was just not enjoying the running and I always loved the cycling. So um, I bit the bullet and I let go of many, many years of, of training, of running, of base running. Um, and I dived into some road cycling um, in the deep end and signed up for um, a race called the um, Three Peaks in Victoria. And I really, really enjoy um, the challenges of endurance cycling, I guess. Um, and and that was the start of, of just cycling for me. Um, and then of late, the last kind of Eight months, I've got into some mountain biking, which has been on my bucket list for a really long time, um, and signed up for some equally ridiculous events that have really challenged me, so some 12-hour races and some 100K races. So at the moment, I'm quite happy on two wheels, whether it's on the road or in the bush. Yeah, excellent. And how have you taken your fueling strategies with you? They've just changed completely. Um, I've really changed um, what I'm eating and how I'm eating. I've found with the running, particularly off the bike, with a really high heart rate, um, I was relying on a lot of my um, fuel to come in liquid form, whether it be uh, electrolyte drinks or uh, or um, gels, even homemade gels, Um but with some of the mountain biking stuff, um, I'm able to consume more solids, um, maybe because my heart rate is a little bit lower or uh, the fact that if I'm racing uh, a team's event where I'm on the bike and then my partner goes out and I, I wait, then I'm able to have the time to eat something solid and digest it and then head out again on the bike. So definitely more um, solids on the bike for mountain biking. and. I guess for the endurance road cycling, for the stuff where I'm on the bike up to 12 hours and and climbing, um, I'm really taking in more calories than I was in a triathlon. Um, 
yeah, so I guess I guess that's it's lots of change. And when I look back and, and look at what I was fueling with for triathlon, yeah, it's it's completely different. Yeah, that's interesting. Obviously, different demands of the sport, so right. that does have an element of common sense. But do you also feel like it's been perhaps part of your journey and what you've learned along the way, applying some more intuition perhaps? Absolutely. Look, um, I have never, ever counted calories on uh, the bike or in training or in racing. Um, I've never used that kind of, you need this many carbs per kilo per hour. It just, it just um, hasn't suited me. So I've always used the, I guess, trial and error, and I've made some, some, some big mistakes. But I think in the long run it's been better for me because – I, I can listen to my body and I think there's lots of factors that come in, particularly with endurance racing. You know, you've got wind, you've got either really cold or really hot days and you've got altitude, you've got different courses, whether you're climbing or time trailing on the flat. So your body doesn't always um, use the same amount of, of energy. So I think my strategy is to really listen to my body and, and over the years I think I think I'm doing a really good job of just knowing, okay, for this type of race, on this type of terrain, at this kind of weather, I think I'll need this, this and that. Um, yeah, so I continue to, to not use the, the counting calories and it just works for me. Yeah, obviously you've been in the sport or you've been an endurance athlete for quite some time now, so it gives right. you that opportunity to evolve things race to race and certainly right. year to year. Absolutely, and I think um, it also uh, is easier for me now, like you said, with experience um, and just having a somewhat of a plan but, but being able to be flexible with it. You know, if something changes on race day and a pack goes and I want to ride but then my heart rate goes up, well, maybe I'm going to need only liquid or maybe I'm going to need more calories. So, yeah, just the experience and, and, and look, making some big mistakes in some races and taking a gamble, but, yeah, it's, it's been good fun. Lots of learning. Yeah, and I think you make a really good point. And I actually had a conversation with an athlete that did Ironman Melbourne and basically stuck to his entire plan and was, you know, you know, without going into too much detail, vomiting for the entire run. And we had a conversation later. He, he wasn't an athlete of mine, but I met him and we had a conversation around, around him realising that what he didn't do was adapt his plan. So he didn't go in with a plan A and a plan B or he didn't go in with the ability to divert from that plan. And unfortunately, it was a massive undoing for him. And I think there are many people that have learnt that hard lesson as well. And so it's an important point just to clarify that, you know, certainly it's good to have some structure and even just understand the logistics of nutrition in an endurance event, but to be adaptable is what's most important. Absolutely, Steph. I think that's that's a really interesting point. And I think, I mean, you've seen it and I've witnessed it many, many times in, in lots of races where you see people, you know, on the side of the road having a vomit or, or bonking and not being able to continue. But you know, unfortunately, a lot goes into some of these races. You know, for, for some of these endurance events, you know, personally, I'll, I'll be training six to nine months for one day. And, you know, there's a lot of time, there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of money invested in one race. Yet, we seem to forget that, you know, nutrition is a really important part of it and hydration. Um, and not everything goes to plan, as we all know. So, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting uh, point that you bring up. Yeah. And do you want to share? Sorry, what was that? 
it's just about being able to adapt. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really important. Yeah. And um, do you feel like sharing any of your mistakes that we might be able to learn from? Sure. Um, yeah, look, um, overconsumption of foods, particularly um, solid foods. I've, I've had some races where, I've, look, I've just eaten too much and I've felt sick and um, I guess your body's just so busy trying to break down all that food that I've just been sluggish the whole way around. Um, another thing I've had some trouble with, um, racing in really hot climates, um, a couple of years ago in Hawaii, I ended up with three IV bags, um, actually drinking too much water and, and not enough electrolytes. Mm. So making sure you, you're taking in enough electrolytes, your sodium, potassium, magnesium in endurance events and not flushing body with too much water. Um, I finished the race, but I ended up vomiting really severely for a long time and, yeah, ultimately ended up pretty ill with a drip in my arm. Um, and then I've, I've done a big one, you know, the inevitable bonk when, you, when you're not having enough um, nutrition and, and done the sad walk home <laughs> about <laughs> 15 k's into a, into a run that's never pretty. So I guess... <laughs> If there's been a nutritional hydration mistake, I've made it somewhere <laughs> in my time. <laughs> Just shows your age in the sport, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, someone's telling you a story about something that's happened to, in a, in, to them in a race, and I think in my head, yep, yeah, I've been there, done that. <laughs> <That's awful. laughs> Gives you compassion at least. <laughs> Absolutely. And, it, and, look, it's all learning. It's a fine balance sometimes between – not overfueling and getting too much and feeling sick and and not taking in enough and bonking, but it's all experience and it's it's all fun at the end of the day. It's what I enjoy. Yeah, I think you can't get it right if you don't experiment. So exactly, yeah, taking a gamble has really paid off. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, excellent. That's pretty cool. So summarize all that for us. Then, what would be your number one piece of nutrition advice? With regards to training or? You choose. Yeah, I think with training and racing, it's you hit the nail on the head with the adaptability. I I really believe in whether you're going to count your your carbohydrates and your protein or your calories in, calories out, or you're not going to count, I think you need to work out um, a backup plan or – or a last resort, you know, if I'm feeling like this, I'm going to take that. And if I'm, I'm feeling like this, I'll, I'll have more of that. And I think that comes into play in your training so that you are more confident on race day. If something happens, you can play around with it. So number one, training and racing nutrition would be learn to be adaptable and learn to be intuitive with what you think your body needs. Yeah, there's that word again, intuition. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It comes into play a lot. Yeah. Um, And then nutrition strategies just uh, each and every day. I I really think if you just learn to listen to your body and and there comes the intuition again, Um, you know, if you eat something and you don't feel good, maybe avoid that. You know, and if you if you're eating and you're feeling really great, whatever you're doing, keep going and and try and steer clear of of hype and trends and labels and just enjoy food for what it is without the guilt. And yeah, I think I think that's it. Steer clear of labels. Yeah, good one. I agree. <laughs> right, and there needs to be more of it. And you know, unfortunately. I see more, I feel it too sometimes. And, you know, the more you look online, it's confusing. And, and there's a lot of, of negative um, press about certain foods or certain ways of eating. But 
everyone just needs to do what suits them. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Right. Beauty. All right. So these are some questions that we ask all our guests on The Real so that we can learn a little bit more about you and certainly what's to come. So to start, can you share with us what a day on your plate looks like? (laughs) It changes. Um, Good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'm that predictable. Um, Look, I'm working and juggling training like most people are and uh, a lot of my food is is on the go or portable you know they're some of my favorite hashtags so um if I'm at home in the morning and I've finished training and I'm about to go to work um I have this really it's ugly but it's so delicious and I kind of just put any leftover um roasted sweet potato or roasted vegetables some greens and chopped spinach and um, sometimes I put some cooked quinoa and I dump it all in a pan and then I crack a couple of eggs over it and scramble it all up. Um, it's just like a pan fry thing I do and it's, you know, in coconut oil and protein from the eggs and, and carbohydrates from the sweet potato and lots of greens and lots of veg. So any any kind of style of that fry up is common if I'm at home. Um, and if I'm on the road or finishing training and heading straight to work, I love a big um, green smoothie with uh, heaps of spinach, um, some bananas, some berries, whatever I've got going. Um, and some, I'm using a vegan protein powder at the moment that I'm enjoying. So that's probably breakfast. Um, lunch, I'm a, I'm a big salad girl. Not, not the crappy salad type, the big, lots of leaves, maybe some chickpeas, some grilled fish. Heaps of veg, um, lots of herbs, olive oil, maybe some goat's cheese. Um, I've been known to eat my salad out of mixing bowls, so <laughs> big, big ones. Lots of weird looks at all my workplaces. Um, and dinner, I have a great relationship with my slow cooker. <laughs> it's a favourite. So um, in the morning, I will dump whatever I want in my slow cooker, leave it on all day and come home. Um Nothing ever tastes bad out of the slow cooker. So, um, yeah, kind of um, lamb and veg in a tomato base or I'll have like a curry with with some vegetables and maybe some chicken, Um, yeah, bone brothy type things with veggies. Slow cooker goodness, um, stews, soups, that kind of thing for dinner. Um, Or or just the look, just some good quality sustainable seafood and, and salad. Nothing too exciting, actually, when I say it like that. <laughs> it certainly <laughs> sounds all very delicious, so that's the main thing. Yeah. Awesome. So some great ideas in there. Now let's switch back to TWA or the Wholesome Athlete. Share yes. with us what you're doing this year and what your plans are moving forward. I, I'm so excited, Steph. I've got some really good stuff um, happening kind of behind the scenes. And, look, I sat with the Wholesome Athlete um, for a long time thinking this is just my passion this is what I enjoy doing in my spare time but actually I think it's a quote that you put up um something about I know what you're going to say say it yeah it's um the work that you procrastinate with is what you should be doing absolutely that's it yes Um, and I remember seeing that and um oh gosh it was last year and I thought oh my goodness number one I am the world's best procrastinator 
And number two, what I procrastinate with is everything the whole snack league. Like I know um, I enjoy my work for the meantime, but um, the whole snack league is where my heart is. So um, what am I doing? I have a website in the works at the moment, which is super exciting um, with some fantastic uh, recipes. I've got a great photographer, if you follow me on Instagram. Um, she's photographing some some of my recipes and I'm doing a lot of recipe testing. Um, so the website is going to be coming really soon and I can't wait. Um, just an easy way for people to access um, great, easy recipes and, and have a chat about what's going on and any problems they're having. Um, of course, I'm starting with the Institute of Nutrition, Natural Nutrition, and I cannot wait. Um, I'm going to be doing some Skype consults and hopefully some um, mentoring with athletes. Um, so I've got a psychology background and some. I, I want to incorporate that into my health coaching. Um, and really soon um, I'm hoping to get into people's homes and do some workshops um, and teach people how to make their own portables and how to make their own food for them and their friends and their training buddies. You know, um, a lot of people look at the recipes and think, oh, they're really lovely, but don't ever make them. Um, yeah, so hopefully I can just show people one off. Um, this is how you do it and give them some confidence to experiment with other things. Yeah, I think that's a really good one because it's the, you know, it's the needing to start or needing to be shown which really gets the ball rolling, which is exactly what you did to me. So I think that's a great idea and you're certainly good at um, the education and the simplification, which is certainly what we need as, as well. Yeah, look, um, I've had a lot of people say to me, you know, I want to, I really want to, but, you know, maybe they're intimidators, they're just not sure or they're looking at a recipe and thinking, you know, what the hell is chia? <laughs> um, so, yeah, simply I want to show people that it really is easy. It's simple. A lot of the recipes have a couple of ingredients. Most of them you can get from your supermarket and, and empower people to do it themselves um, and share it with their friends, you know, and not just athletes. Like there's a lot of people that are fit, and healthy, um, maybe they're busy mums or they just like to keep active and they want to learn as well. So, yeah, that's that's my dream for the workshops is to teach everyone and hopefully they'll pass it on. Beautiful. Sounds like there's a lot going on, which is very exciting. Yes, yep. Lots, lots happening behind the scenes, so I'm, I'm eager to share it with everyone. Yeah, very cool. So our last question, and before we wrap up today, I'd love you to share with us where we can find you, where our listeners can reach you online or where you're at. Sure. Um, so on Facebook for, under the Wholesome Athlete, um, you can find me there and there's lots of articles and inspirations and links to different recipes that you can find. Um, and on Instagram, the underscore wholesome underscore athlete. Um, lots of pictures of what I'm making. They're not always glamorous, but just – pretty much what I have each day. Is one of your hashtags ugly food? Always. Absolutely. <laughs> you should see what I had yesterday. It's the ugliest curry, but it's so delicious. So, um, yeah, I don't have time to style my food, unfortunately. <laughs> it's, this is it. Sometimes it's in a Tupperware. Um, yeah, so that's Instagram and Facebook. And really soon, thewholesomeathlete.com 
is going to be coming up. At the moment, there's a couple of recipes on there, but um, yeah, as I said before, the new website's going to be launched in a matter of weeks, hopefully. So yeah, watch out. <laughs> all very cool. Thanks so much for sharing your story Thank and all your great Sarah. advice. All the show notes for links and where to find Meg and the Wholesome Athlete. And we look forward to following your journey into you know the rest of the year and beyond. Thanks, Steph. Yeah, it's been a, a really great opportunity to share with you and all your listeners. So thanks for having me. You're welcome. Speak soon. Okay, bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.